0: Let me uh, start this message uh, by saying, first, I'm going to show you a couple of videos in this message, I'm going to have a couple of people share, and in between that, uh, I'm going to, uh, to preach. Uh, this message is titled, uh, What Will You Do With Your Freedom? And if you've got the clicker there, Bill, I might grab that, um, that would be great. This message is titled, What Will You Do With Your Freedom. And we're going to read from Romans chapter six, verse fifteen to twenty-three. I'll bring that up. If you've got a Bible, the best thing you can do is to uh, to have that open in some form. So, chapter six, starting verse fifteen. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance." You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness What benefit did you reap at that time from the things uh, you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, uh, in this message, I want to cover off this passage, but this passage is part of a continual kind of argument, a continual uh, thought that Paul is continuing, that we're sort of breaking it up into small parts. And I want to start by showing you a uh, five-minute video. It's actually a, a drama, a skit that maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't. Uh, but something I found incredibly powerful that captures the message of the gospel that we have been seeking to preach through in a in a dramatic way and it is pretty uh graphic and compelling i'll warn you but um let's just have a look at this because i found it incredibly moving That's pretty powerful um that just moves me that um scene one scene one is what we're created for scene one is what we're created for to be in relationship with god scene one is is we are created to just be seeing his creation living in intimacy with god that's what we're made for it's what we're designed for but scene two is where we end up and in some respects, most of us will go, well, I never ended up there. Though sadly, so many of our young people today do. But it's not how far away. It's the simple fact that all of us at one time or other, this is what Romans 1 and 2 are saying, end up far from God and distant from him and separated from him. And the wages of sin in this passage is, it's death spiritually it's death and that's where scene two is saying this is where we end up and maybe it's not something so uh you know um confronting maybe it's just we end up kind of living our own life for ourselves. the point is people end up not what does the scripture say glorifying god or giving him thanks far from god scene three is that jesus has come to rescue us that is the gospel that i have been teaching and i spoke someone told me this morning they caught up with someone from a different religious sect who spent a lot of time trying to convince them this week that they're not going to heaven i said well i'm going to stand up this morning and tell you that you are going to heaven by the grace of god by the grace of god we are saved and reconciled back into relationship. And that is the good news of the gospel. Isn't it good? Wow. I think it is. (laughs) Uh, One thing uh, about me is um, I I enjoy uh, giving and receiving gifts. I particularly do enjoy receiving gifts. I also like giving gifts. For those who like giving gifts, uh, my birthday is on June the 11th. (laughs) which is only, uh, let me just think, uh, how far away is that? Is it three weeks? Three weeks. Sunday, it's on a Sunday. Just. Uh... <laughs> and uh, we, we do have, I might have explained this, a bit of a dilemma in our household, because my wife is a great believer in the giving of thoughtful surprise gifts. And I'm a great believer in giving... Uh, or receiving the exact gift that I actually want. So we have a slight issue of conflict in our relationship there. For example, yeah, yeah. For example, it, it may be, it may be that I was I was wanting, or am wanting in three weeks' time to, to receive a, uh, a Mizuno four-hybrid uh, golf club that may have been on Golf Box uh, website for $50 down from 300 and may now be sitting in our walk-in robe. Um, <laughs> and I'm hopeful that I'll receive that gift in three weeks. But you know, g- receiving a gift, uh, the value of the gift you receive is, is determined, I think, by who gives it. I love receiving gifts from my family And in honesty, the kids can give me anything and I'll love it uh, because it's given by my family. Uh, How it's given, if there's a sense that it's given in joy and in love, then the value increases. And of course, what the gift is. So, you know, um, uh, some homemade craft uh, made by the kids, that's valuable. I'd appreciate that, but I'd also appreciate a new golf club. Um, (laughs) But anyway, all of this to say... That I hope that through studying Romans, all of us will agree that the greatest gift that we have ever been given is the grace of God. Greatest gift we've ever been given is the grace of God. The forgiveness, the hope, the new life, salvation, which has been freely and graciously given to us through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. For us the wages of sin of, is death, but the gift of God uh, is eternal life. Um, let's see if this works here. I'll turn it on. Um, the reality uh, is we've been given this gift and uh, Paul wrote that um, um, uh, as Paul writes in this passage, he's wanting us to understand, um, that, uh, that we have been um, yeah, we've been created for relationship and that, that all have turned away and that God has rescued us from the power of sin and death. And if you read these passages, as I've been studying them, I began to realize that, that Paul, as he writes these passages, he's, he's using all these illustrations and these examples and he's desperate for us to get this. And as we get to chapter 6, what he's desperate for us to get is that once we have received this gift we shouldn't just uh stay in sin and just keep living the same old life but he's he's saved us to live a new life and he just he's just i just i was reading i was studying this and i thought he is he's passionate he just wants us to get this and so i hope as we go through it uh so last week's passage all about how we've been set free the chains that bound us have been removed. Sin is not our master. Sin is not our master. We have been set free from the power of sin and death when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. We're given a new life and a new heart. And so Paul says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your body. Do not assume or allow yourself to think that sin is still your master or act in such a way because that is ridiculous if you've been set free from that it actually doesn't have power on you satan can tempt and he can try and deceive but actually we got the power now to say i will not go there and i received a lovely text message from someone else this week said you know just understanding that reality helped me break free from a whole lot of garbage in my life and even for me this week, you know, the, the stuff that, uh, that I can kind of, patterns that I can get into, where I can get grumpy about something I shouldn't get grumpy about, or because I'm a bloke, I can feel angry about something, and I started to think, no, no, I don't have to go there, because I've been set free from that. And I really hope that we're grasping that, because it, it, it can and should change us. And then we move from the next passage and the next passage asks the question: What, now that you are free, now that you are free, what will you do with your freedom? And uh, and I'm borrowing that line, that question, from one of my favourite movies. Something I probably have also quoted in a sermon before, which is from a movie from a fair while ago now called Braveheart. I'm going to show you a second video in a second. You can tee that up, Ivan. To me, this is um, a a scene, if we can go about a minute in, if that's possible. Um, I'll just spring that on you right now. Um, To me, this scene is a profound expression of the gospel truth and this question that we get asked as believers, people who have had our freedom won for us, and we get this question asked of us, what will we do with our freedom. By the way, there is one small slight swear word word in here. You just have to go with it. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> Jenny Moyle, a bit of Scottish. Uh, yeah, I reckon that is a profound question for us to wrestle with in this passage. A profound question. If I might borrow that line, sons and daughters of God, we walk into church as free men and women. And free men and women you are. But what will you do with that freedom? What will you do with that freedom? Will you live and just kind of exist and just kind of carry on and just live like every other non-Christian person in our world lives? Or are you going to capture the fact that we are called to live for something bigger and something greater? What will you do with the freedom that Christ has won for you? Paul establishes in about chapters 3 and 4 and the first part of chapter 5, he establishes the fact that we are saved and that is done. There's no question there. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have been saved. That's not up for grabs. All this talk of how we live our lives, it's not up for grabs, the salvation question. That is done on the cross. That has been won. That is the gift of God. But there is a question that's up for grabs. It is what you will do between today and the day when you breathe your last breath and go and be with the Lord. I don't care what age you are, I don't care what stage you are, that question stands before you. What will you do with your freedom? Let's have a look at this, uh, this scripture. Oh, Galatians 5.1 It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul says this, verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or, uh, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And then he, he says this verse. This is a key verse I'll focus on. He says, to the Roman Christians, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves, you have come... To obey from your hearts the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now he goes on in verse nineteen. Basically, uh, it's clearer in other versions than the NIV. Basically, to say calling you slaves to righteousness is a strange example. It's you know to call you slaves. In other in other scriptures, he calls us children of God. It's a far more appealing title than a slave to God but he's, he's extending this example and what he's saying he's saying praise God people of Rome that having been set free from being slaves to sin you haven't then gone and wasted it but what you've chosen to do is voluntarily offer yourselves to be servants of God he uses slaves to God. It's even stronger. It's not that they've been forced into this. It's in their freedom, they are choosing to voluntarily submit themselves as servants of God. He says, praise God for that. They were slaves to sin. Now they're servants of God. What they've chosen to do with their freedom is offer themselves and give themselves fully to God. And really, that's the question I want to ask this morning. It's a simple message. What are you doing with your freedom? Are you pressing in for a deeper relationship with God? Are you rejoicing in God? Are you walking by faith? Are you serving with joy? Are you worshipping with your whole life? Does your life glorify God? Are you enjoying God? We're created to enjoy God. Or are you taking your freedom and wasting it? And when we come to Christ, it's a little like uh, a, a prisoner when they're... You see in the movies, they're released from prison and they step out. And it's like, wow, what am I going to do? I've got my whole life before me. Which way am I going to take this? And uh, if I go back a little, there's two key verses. One from chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, I think I put this up here. Um, first one I haven't... 5, verse 11 says... Um, if I find it, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God, it's not verse 11, but count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. Count yourself alive to God. And then the second one, Romans 7 verse 6, going ahead, but now by dying to to what's bound us, we have been released from the law so that we can serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And these two phrases, what does it mean to be alive to God? What does it mean to serve in the new way of the Spirit? And I'm going to invite uh, our elders to come and share. I've given them three minutes each to answer this question What does it mean for you to be alive to God? What does it mean for you to be alive to God? What does it mean for your life? What does it look like? John, Lord, do you want to come and share with us first?
1: Three minutes and 17. Three minutes and seventeen seconds. I grew up in a Christian home, Sunday school, church, youth group, youth leader, etc. Was part of my normal, but I didn't have a personal relationship with Father, God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. Jennifer and I married in 1973 and became part of Blackwood United Church. I certainly grew my understanding of God. But I still didn't have that personal relationship with God that I saw others have. Although there was times when I saw glimpses of it, I knew God was working in my life. It just didn't seem to stick. I felt sure, in fact, I knew that there was more to the Christian life than what I was experiencing. We started attending Allgate Baptist in about 1983. Uh, And in the early 80s, in that time, we attended a John Wimmer conference at the Seton Family Church. While praying for a man, I saw a vision, or a movie, it was a coloured movie actually, of a level crossing accident between a car, a steam train and a car. I shared that with the guy we were praying for and his wife and child had been killed in a level crossing accident. Now I knew that was from God. I couldn't have known it any other way. And since then I've been searching for how to live that ex- authentic Christian life. In 2007 Jenny and I attended a conference at Clover Creek Baptist where the speaker Dr Charles Kraft taught us about how we stand as part of God's army, with the God-given authority to do His will on earth and the power to do that. Dr Kraft taught that probably every Christian has baggage in their lives which impacts their growth as a disciple and that there is a need for inner healing. We live in a sinful world and can get slimed by the enemy that as he is a liar and a thief. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark and evil world, against the spiritual forces in heaven the world. But when we understand and know the authority and power that Christ has given us, we are his opponents and we are more than equal to him. For over 12 and a half years, um, we have been privileged to be part of an inner healing ministry team, seeing God working in people's lives, bringing about change, freedom, and healing. We are in awe of the way God has worked. Has worked and how he has spoken to people having ministry. We have seen them empowered with greater freedom in their Christian walk and a clearer understanding of God's love and care for them. So what does a lie to God look like for me now? I think that what has happened is that I have finally allowed God to grow in me a personal relationship with Father God, Jesus my brother and the Holy Spirit residing in me. I now have a deep level of trust in who God is and what He has done for me and the authority He's given me. We have to do what He calls us to do and I'm willing and prepared to do or be involved in what I believe God is asking of me. I know that my relationship with God is not one-sided but God is there in the day to day. I now listen to God's voice at all times and I'm cultivating an awareness of what his voice sounds like and acting on what I hear. For example, praying for someone when God prompts me to and what is usually a thought in my head, go and pray for that one, or a small, quiet voice. I'm not ignoring it like I used to. So when I pray for someone, I regularly pray, pray in a way that I didn't expect. I believe I'm praying the words that the Holy Spirit's giving me. I am having the privilege of seeing God set people free from whatever it was that was holding them captive, including physical healing, and I am in awe of the way he works, in ministry knowing 100% that God is going to turn up and that he will minister to the person who has come for inner healing, it's really amazing, that's what a life of God looks looks like in me today.
0: God bless you all. Awesome. Let me invite Dennis up.
2: Yes, Mark, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on now. Um, You've done a great job um, starting up sharing gospel shown us a couple of videos, so I think you have a great start, and I feel like he didn't even say, oh, John and Dennis come up to share, he said, it's an elder, so I feel like the pressure's on to share something very great about how my spiritual wunderkind, (laughs)
0: Um,
2: yeah, um, sharing how, um, what, um, yeah, being alive in Christ means to me, but really for me, it comes down very simple to what the gospel is about, because first of all, um, yeah, I realize I'm a sinner, I don't meet the standards God has set out um, for me and all of us. And um, yeah, I continue to be a bad person. So, but at the same time, um, and because of that, I can't be in a relationship with God. So, this is something I've always got in my mind. But at the same time, I don't beat myself up over it because I know I don't need to be perfect because Christ has been perfect for me. And um, yeah, that even though I continue to be a sinner, that um, Christ has yeah, the punishment that I should have brought, So, um, to me, that's incredibly freeing, and that's sort of. Having this in my mind sets, in a way, the foundation for um, everything I do and all who I am in my life. So, in in practical ways, in, in day-to-day life, things at work might not go exactly the way I'm hoping them to go or they might be quite hard, but in a way I feel I'm not losing a lot of sleep over it or don't sweat about those things just because, like what I just said, I've got that deep um, foundation in my heart knowing human Christ and how that set me free. So. In a way, nothing spectacular. But to, to me, being alive in Christ means, um, yeah, coming back to that foundation, realizing it's not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done. That I can live in that freedom. In the same time, if things at home go well, if they don't go well, um, yeah, living in, in an that understanding of um, yeah what Christ has done for me. So. In a way, nothing spectacular. All of these things have been shared before in, in this morning's night. But really, um, if I think about the Galatians, what Paul is telling us in Galatians as well, the Gospel is about what Christ has done, not what we are doing. Not by circumcision, knowing the Bible back to front or whatever, we become better Christians or high level. It's purely because of what Christ has done. So I feel for myself as well. Being alive in Him means understanding of... Uh, Having a good um, understanding that a crisis started all of it's not uh, due to what I've done, and I feel that's incredibly freeing for me.
0: Hmm. Awesome. Matt, <laughs> yeah, do you want to come up? Uh,
3: well, all right, now yeah, for sermon number two. <laughs> I thought it probably easiest to share from the past. Uh, I've got some in the present and in the future as well, where I've experienced somewhat less of those. Uh, So, not surprisingly, the rugged man that stands before you is a little different uh, when I was younger. I don't bear that much resemblance. When I was a child, I was extremely timid and introverted. I actually uh, was terrified of public speaking, and when you're forced to do it in high school. You're sweaty, you're in the toilet a lot. It's very awkward, um, and I'm glad I'm talking about it publicly now. (laughs) I couldn't answer phones, I couldn't make phone calls, um, and talking to others was extremely difficult. Uh, But from the moment that I placed my faith in Jesus Christ when I was 18, about 13 years ago, everything changed. So for me, uh, living in life, a life inside of of Christ, is transformation uh, in that freedom. My desires and my goals of my life shifted from things that I enjoyed, my comforts, to now being on the things of Jesus. And my character adjusted to suit. So, the very next day after placing my faith in Jesus, I went to a strange church that I'd never been to, up to a pastor I'd never met and said, I want to be baptised, which is very unusual for an extreme introvert. introvert. I uh, I started attending camps, uh, ones where I knew no one. I uh, was happy to rock up and spend a whole week there uh, sleeping in bunk rooms and all sorts of things, uh, also very unusual. Uh, and I started taking non-public speaking events and things like that because my designs and my goals had shifted. These things didn't go without hitches. Uh, I did do some sort of public speaking things like worship leading where I stood up, went totally white couldn't speak the entire time which is great, just point to God (laughs) with a really shaky hand Uh, and other things like always needing to know exactly where the toilet is in any church uh, just before (laughs) preaching, very essential (laughs) and having a clear line to it but the decisions kept on going after that uh, my life continued to be shaped. Uh, the wife that I sought after was one that shared the same heart for, for the work that I did. Uh, the decisions we made in our lives, such as what house we were going to buy, we bought the cheapest, smallest house that we could so that we could be more generous with our time and with our money rather than having to work to at all we uh, obviously made big decisions very recently to uh, put aside career and go after uh, Bible college instead and start working here. Uh, many different things including taking up any opportunity both in college and uh, the training that we do here to be able to equip myself to be able to serve the Lord more faithfully and better. Uh, and that is pretty well where we're at at the present. Uh, we've got you know, our house, which is still slowly getting paid off, but not a big mortgage which is lovely. We've got uh, faithful ministry working at college as well, um, raising kids and doing everything that we can as passionately and for Jesus as we possibly can. And for the future what it looks like is continuing to fix my eyes and walking after Jesus, because he is now my delight, he is my freedom. And not being the <clears throat> I should
0: yeah, that's for awesome. Thank you, Nat. <clears throat> what does it look like for me to be alive to God? There's a number of elements to that. One of it is just thankfulness. I pray with my kids every night. I'm always praying with them to be thankful, to be thankful for the blessings. Because I just see everything. Uh, all the good things in my life, they're blessings. You wake up in the morning and this morning I open up, the blinds and the sun is shining and I look out and I see creation and I see that as a blessing from God, That's the good things of God. But the other thing for me is just uh, the reality that um, my life is not about me. My life is not about me. It's not its not Mark's day today, it's, it's God's day today. It's, it's not about how can mark have a great day it's how can i try and serve god today and uh a book that really set me going in my faith and really made a transformational impact was uh keith green's book no compromise some of you might have read that It uh, just tra- changed my life it just challenged me to say I'm gonna, am i going to live my life with compromise or am i going to just say it's all it's all for jesus it's all for jesus whatever that looks like wherever that takes me and it's taken me to some interesting places including standing here preaching the gospel um, coming back tonight to preach the gospel um, uh, all sorts of blessings all sorts of challenges with that but what, what do our lives look like you know we're at different stages and, and different situations in our life but our lives for a lot of us look kind of the same a lot of us here we've got jobs and work feels a huge part of our life a lot of us uh, may have family and and uh, some of us have kids, and that feels a huge part of our life and then there 's the stuff we do for fun and whether it 's playing golf or watching some footy or kicking back and watching Netflix at night that 's all part of our life and there 's catching up with friends and catching up with family and there 's looking after the garden and paying the bills and doing all this stuff that we've got to do. And that's that's part of our lives. We've got to. That's what we do. That's what we've got to do. But I want to say, if there's not something greater that you're living for, if there's not something greater that you're giving yourself to, your time, your talent, your money, if there's not something else that you're very consciously <clears throat> offering yourself to, I have to say, you're not grasping and living in the freedom that Christ has won for you. Uh, the scripture says, uh, not the scripture, Braveheart said, what will you do with that freedom? <laughs> the scripture says that in a different way. You are set free to know God. You're set free to enjoy His goodness. You're set free to give Him glory in all you do. You're set free to serve Him. You're set free to be in community with other, other believers. You're set free to use your gifts and be passionate about the things that matter to Him. You're set free to serve in the new way of the Spirit, which is not out of some kind of grumbling obligation, but out of joyful liberation, not in our strength, but in God's strength, not for our glory, but for His glory. I've got to say, this week I, I stopped and I spent some time thinking about this congregation and the people in this congregation. And I started to write down some things that actually really excite me in the way that people in this congregation are, what they're doing with their freedom. And I'm going to share some of those and I'm going to miss people because I can't quote everyone. But here's some of the, here's some of the people that came to mind. We've got Craig and Kathy Schultz who are leading international directors for Miracle Connect, a ministry that is sharing the gospel daily with tens of thousands of people in the Middle East and seeing thousands of people come to the Lord Jesus. The, the international directors of, this, of that ministry are part of our church. That's unbelievable. I thought about uh, uh, Graham Baird, retired, who spends his time uh, each week going into Westcare to serve drug addicts, people who are homeless, and people who are on the margins of society that most people don't care about. I thought about Judy who through the experiences of her life and the pain she has been through, feels that she wants to use that to go into palliative care situations to care for those who are dying and their families. I think about Bill. It's exactly what you shared this morning. Bill, as you said, you're not a charismatic guy, you're not a worship leader, you're not a preacher, but you've got something that can be used by God to show the love of Jesus to other people. Awesome. Trish Miller, in a similar situation, willing to serve with Samaritan's Purse, uh, also looking to go overseas to, to serve in crisis situations. Where's Debbie Grace? Signed up recently, I had to give approval for this, a reference, just to be available to be a friend to a refugee, someone new to Australia. I think about our missionaries who currently today are serving in different countries across our world and we support them but they're away from their families because the call of God to be witnesses to Jesus has led them to be away. I look at our worship leaders and our worship team who were here before we're all here and are often juggling how do we do this with the young family and kids and all of that. But they want to lead us in joining our voices together to give praise to God. What an awesome sacrifice and gift they are to us. I think about our kids' church leaders who are downstairs right now, and others of them, and those they prepare before the service because they want to disciple our children to know Jesus. And because of their ministry, our children are growing to be followers of Jesus. I think about our youth leaders. Brenton, I don't think, is here today. I think about Brenton, our key youth leader, who's got a, a job that takes him interstate and long hours. And on a Friday night, what do people want to do? They want to kick back and watch the footy and have a beer. And he is not doing that. He is here serving teenagers on a Friday night, sharing the gospel with them. How good is that? And I might just say that in two weeks' time, on June the 2nd, we are going to have a baptism of Cole Hammett that Brenton is going to do the baptism because Cole's been in an incredibly difficult situation and through a lot of hard times and he's now with Teen Challenge doing a recovery from addiction program. And in that program, he has recommitted his faith in Jesus and he's come alive. And I've been speaking to him. He's a different guy. Brenton and the youth leaders last year loved him and cared for him Week in, week out, whenever he chose to show up, they accepted him and showed him the love of God and how he wants Brenton to baptise him. How good is that? I could think of John and Jenny Moyles uh, just week in, week out, loving people through inner healing prayer ministry, transforming people's lives as they're set free. I think about people like Ben Noack, Anthony Riemann, who just serve our church faithfully, and Winter in very practical ways, people who rock up to Working bees. And I think about people who uh, serve as car park attendants and make coffee and sit on the sound desk and people who don't do stuff within our church but just in their daily lives show the love of Jesus in all sorts of ways. This is what it is to come alive to Jesus. And I don't know, because we're a kind of a reasonably conservative church. Uh, We're not a kind of jumping around church. We're not a flag-waving church. We're not a doing cartwheels down the aisle church. Feel free if you want to cartwheels not flag waving um, <laughs> but don't miss the fact that it's not actually necessarily about how demonstrative you are in worship it's actually about how people are living their lives and the choices they are making and i stopped at that list because we are past my time to finish but i could keep going on and on and on And I don't really mind whether it's little or big. I remember an old lady at my last church came to me and she said, I'm I'm, uh, at a stage in my life where I used to do lots of stuff and I really can't do much anymore because I don't have great mobility. She said, but the thing that I love to do is pray. I said, praise God, that ministry is just as valuable. There's another group I didn't mention, a group who gather on a Monday night, every Monday night, and have been doing it for many of them, for years and years and years to pray and intercede for the church. And I know that just about every week, they pray for me as a pastor. That is massive. They pray for the mission of our church, the ministry of our church, the leaders of our church, for our community, for those who are doing it tough. This is what it is to serve God. And so the question I ask you is this, what will you do with your freedom? What are you doing with your freedom? What will you do with your freedom? Everyone has gifts. Everyone has financial capacity. Everyone has some level of time capacity. Everyone wakes up every morning and opens the blind and has a choice. What are you doing with your freedom? And, and I'm, I'm hopeful. I would love, there'd be nothing better. I'll just, I'll just lead to an outcome here. There'd be nothing better than someone said to me, Mark, I'd, I'd love to step up into something because maybe there's people here who want to do stuff and I don't really know what it is or where you're at or what gifts you got or what capacity you've got or anything but as leaders of the church we'd love any of us to hear you say to us we well, I've got an idea I've got something I've been that's been burning within me It doesn't matter whether it's in the church or out of the church what will you do with your freedom let's pray Heavenly Father, we thank you for your incredible scripture, the Word of God, uh, where Paul just shares with joy. Thanks be to God as he writes to this church in Rome that though they used to be slaves to sin, they have come to obey from their hearts the pattern of teaching and it's claimed their allegiance. May your word continue daily to claim our allegiance and not just be a matter of our intellect but a matter that where we obey and follow you from our hearts and may we having been set free from sin indeed choose voluntarily to be servants of you slaves to righteousness and people committed to just living our lives for you i pray for anyone in our church who has been kind of just pushed off the track for whatever reason and, and uh, kind of sidelined from serving you, just maybe lost perspective in that, I actually pray that there might be some courage and there might be some boldness and there might be some stirring actually that leads not just to kind of going, well, I got stirred for five minutes in a sermon and then I just continue, but actually to take a step of faith and step out into something new, into something challenging or to return to something or whatever it is that you call us to, whether it's in the church, whether it's some organization out of it, or whether it's just a calling that we have to love our neighbor or the person down the road or the person in our office in a simple, practical, gracious way. Stir our hearts, Lord, because we have been given a freedom and I don't want to see anyone waste that freedom. Thank you, God. Amen.
2: You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.